Good morning. <clears throat> we are starting Perek Shavie'i, the seventh Perek of Filchot Avodah Zarah. This chapter deals with something that may be a little more relevant to us because I assume that none of us is planning to do Avodah Zarah. This chapter deals with what we have to do, what we can do, what we cannot do for th with things that were used for Avodah Zarah or things that we think may have been used or may have been dedicated to Avodah Zarah deriving benefit from things that are to do with Avodah Zarah. We have a prescription to destroy the Avodah Zarah, the idols, and all of its all of its accessories and everything that was done for it. The Pasuk says, you shall destroy all of the places, Asher Avedu Goim, when we go to Eretz Israel in the time of Yoshua, we had a prescription to destroy everything where the going before us had worshipped. Etc. And also another pasuk says, this is what we have to do to them, we have to destroy their altars, and so on and so forth. And in the land of Israel, where, where we have jurisdiction we actually have to actively try to destroy any remnant of avodazara from our land outside of Eres israel we are not prescribed to go out and destroy avodazara we are not supposed to go around trying to find out and destroy it, but rather any place that ends up belonging to us, in that place, we destroy that Avodah The Pasuk says, you shall erase their name from that place. That place means Eres Israel. We have the prescription to pursue them and destroy them inside Eres Israel, but not in Chutzalaaretz outside Eres Israel. The actual object of the worship its accessories, things that were offered to it, and everything that was made on its account is forbidden for us to derive benefit from. Because the Pasuk says, you shall not bring to your house something that the Torah said we should feel is disgusting, which is Avodah Zarah. Uh, and anyone who derives benefit from something that is one of the things we enumerated violates two felonies, is guilty for two felonies, and will get punishments for both. There is actually another pasuk also that says you may not uh, take possession of anything that was meant to be destroyed, namely things that had to do with Avodah Zarah. So 
by extension, if anyone derives benefit from something that is of Avodah Zarah, he is violating, he is guilty of his charge with two felonies. Gimal. An animal that was offered to Avodazara, and by offered it could be that they did shachita to it, a kosher shachita, all of it becomes forbidden. Even, even things that are not usually considered part of the animal because they are not part of the flesh of the animal, like its excretions, and by the way, uh, this is something that is relevant for fertilizing, or another kind of excretion that they would use back in the day would be the the, the stomach acids. That's how they made cheese back in the day. Uh, its bones, uh, its uh, horns, its uh, hoofs, and its leather. Its leather is also forbidden. Hakol asur All of that is forbidden to derive benefit from. Lefichach. Therefore, if you see in a piece of leather that you buy in the street that it has some sign that this belonged to an animal that was offered to Avodazara, for example, one of the ways he would wash that they would offer um, some oxen and some cows to Avodazara is they would carve out with the animal alive they will carve out a circle on the animal's chest where the heart is and take the heart of the animal while it's still beating that's what they would do reminds of indiana jones in in some way um but that's what they would do so if you find leather that has a hole in it we suspect that it was used for such a ritual and therefore we cannot derive benefit from that leather. So examples of the sort, if you find something that has a sign that shows that this must have been part or this is probably something that was used for Avodah Zarah, you should not derive benefit from it. Is there any difference between Avodah Zarah that is, that is owned by a non-Jew and Avodah Zarah that is owned by a Jew? Yes. Avodah Zarah she nukhri asura bahana'a miyad shene'emar pesilel ohehem tisetfum ba'esh mishe pesalon asalo eloa There is a distinction here as to the timing when something acquires the status of Avodah Zarah thereby becoming forbidden for us to derive benefit from. So if it's a goy, if it's a non-Jew, then the presumption is as soon as the idol is carved or the, the stone is erected or the tree is planted, the moment that that happens, the presumption is it already is, it already has the sacrality to it, it already is Avodah Zarah. But if it's made by a Jew, the presumption is it's sort of like innocent until proven guilty. The, the instrument, the object is not considered to be Avodah Zarah until it's actually worshipped. Uh, the presumption being that maybe it's being built or carved for another purposes. The Pasuk says about something that was made for Avodah Zarah by a Jew. And a Jew, so the Pasuk says, and a Jew that goes and, and, and makes a, 
let, let him be cursed, a Jew that goes and makes an idol and hides it from everyone else. Um, and uh, Sambasata hides it from everyone else implies that he's doing something that most Jews wouldn't do in public, which is worshipping it. So, However, the accessories of Avodazara, say for example, if someone makes a statue and uh, and creates and, and then uh, creates a dress to dress a statue with, so that dress would not become forbidden until it actually is used, regardless of whether it's owned by a non-Jew or by a Jew. Halachahe. <coughs> An artisan or some other professional who creates an object of worship for others, not for himself, although he's doing something for which he will get malkut, this is a felony, as we said in chapter 3, that... Uh, you may not not, not only worship of the Azara, but you also build something or, or put together something that's going to be worshipped. But the Sahar, the the compensation, the consideration that this person got for making this object, did not become forbidden. The prohibition does not extend to the compensation. You may derive benefit from the money that was paid for doing this. Even if this was made for a goy, that as we said before, this becomes this becomes forbidden right away. So you would think that the compensation also should become forbidden. However, this avodazara that you are making for a goy. So if a Jew is let's say carving a statue for a goy, although the statue will become asur right away as soon as as soon as the goy has it, however, it's not as soon as the Jew starts carving it, it's only when it's finished. And that very last symbolic um, uh, strike of the hammer by which uh, the, the carving is done is not, is not what justifies the rest of the payment. In other words, so let's say uh, Abraham Cohen, a Jew, receives a thousand dollars from uh, from uh, Satoshi, the Buddhist, to build a Buddha statue. So uh, he he it takes ten days to to carve it. Day after day, he's with the chisel and the hammer and and uh, and carving it and making the statue. So it's not asur really until the very last second with that very last carving. But in that carving, if this was it, then the compensation for that carving would also become forbidden. However, what we say is those $1,000 were for everything leading up to that very last carving. And that last carving is too insignificant, it's too de minimis to uh, correspond to any amount of money. <laughs> Now, 
we are not dealing with someone building or making Avodazara, but someone buying or finding statues, statuettes that are already made. So someone buying chattels or uh, some some sort of, of widgets from, from the Goim, and within them he finds that he went to a garage sale and he bought the entire garage, and then in that he finds a statue of something that seems like Avodazara. If he already paid, but did not yet assume ownership of these objects, he should give them back to the Goy. Likewise, if he already took possession of the object, but did not yet pay, although we'll see in the rules of how uh, property is acquired, when you buy something from someone outside the Jewish people, Meshicha is enough to purchase when you, when you uh, draw something when you take something when you take something even without lifting it that's enough to to make it yours this is a transaction that did not have the right um, meeting of the minds the person buying the true buying did not know he was buying Avodazara and therefore the transaction can be cancelled because it wasn't yet finalized However, if he both took possession of the items and paid, then, you know, it's too late. Uh, even though he didn't know what he was buying, the transaction is fully finalized. And therefore, he loses his money and he has to take the Avodazara that he has now and bring it and destroy it completely. And a term the Halakha always used, uses when it wants to say destroy it completely, is bring it to Yamamelach and throw it there. The assumption being that if you throw it to Yamamelach with time, the alkaline nature of the water is going to destroy it and dissolve it. Likewise, if you have a convert, someone who converted to Judaism, who has a brother who did not convert, and they both are inheriting their father who was who never converted. So in that inheritance, there may be things that are forbidden for a Jew to own. It, however, is permissible for the convert, for the Jewish one, to take the half that doesn't have Avodazara in it, even though you could say, hey, but for every dollar that he's taking that is not Avodazara, He's taking the dollar because he's giving the dollar that is of Avodazara. So maybe he should only take 50 cents of those and he should split that dollar that's not Avodazara, but that's not the case. He may take all the things that are not Avodazara and leave the rest to his brother, his ex brother. However, but if he already received that inheritance, so the father said, to their children, okay, this house and everything in it is for you, this house and everything is for you, for the other one, and then within the house there was Avodazara, he can't then take the Avodazara and use it to exchange it with his brother because it's already his. <coughs> and this is extremely, extremely relevant, very interesting Gemara that explains um, how we came to these conclusions. <coughs> Some, any sort of figures, and this could be 
carvings, this could be statuettes, statues, this could be uh, uh, some uh, garments, uh, embroidery. So anything that a goy made for aesthetic purposes. Let's say you go to the market and there is a, a statue to put in the garden. Mutarim bahana'a. It's permissible to derive benefit from it. But if the same statue was made for worship, it's forbidden. Kesad. So how is this applied? How do we know? What is the presumption? So first rule, anything that you buy in the rural areas where statues for aesthetic purposes are rarer, people back in the day, think of Roman times, they used to be a little poorer in the rural areas and statues there were harder to come by and they did not just make statue unless it was for worshipping. So if you buy a statue in a rural market in Roman times, the presumption is that it's made for Avodah Zarah and therefore you, should not, you may not derive benefit from it. But those found inside the metropolis, inside the city, if these statues, these figures, were at the entrance of the city, for some reason, Avodah Zarah used to always be at the entrance of the city, perhaps to symbolize that they are guardians of that city, and they had in their shape, the, the, the shape of, of these statues or of these representations were of humans that are holding one of these things, either a staff or a bird or some sort of a circle or a sword or it had a crown or it had a ring. All of these things are symbols of power, of authority, and by being in the representation, in the in the in the statue or or other embroidery, it means that whoever was making them intended this uh, representation to represent someone with authority, and therefore these two conditions, their being at the entrance of the city and having one of these symbols of power, has The presumption is that there is they are for avodah and it's forbidden to derive benefits from them. Vaim love. But if one of these two conditions is not fulfilled, they have no symbol of power, or they are not at the entrance of the city, the presumption is that they are made for aesthetic purposes and therefore they are permissible to derive benefit from. All kinds of, uh, of shapes, of statues, representations that are found abandoned. They are found abandoned in the Shevakim means in the public areas or or within some other uh, things, some other widgets. So you have a bunch of things and among them there is a statue. This is permissible because if they were, if they had some sacrality, they wouldn't leave them abandoned or thrown out. And how much more so if they were broken? So broken pieces of these statues also kind of uh, mean that 
whoever made them and whoever left them broken did not or does no longer attribute sacrality to them and they are permissible However, if someone finds a limb that is recognizable and he knows that this belongs or used to belong to Avodazara, <coughs> and, and that's what's found abandoned, this is Asur Bahana'a. Until he can establish or he can know, he can become certain that this Avodazara, uh, the original one from which this limb came, was Mevutal. We are going to speak about this in, in a couple of minutes. Was uh, was no was made into no longer sacred. The Goim decided to abandon its sacrality. It continues being forbidden. The presumption is there, and just as a as a theory, hypothetically, there may have been a ritual whereby Avodazara, let's use a statue of Buddha again for illustration, cutting the the statue of Buddha's hand may have been part of the ritual, not meant to render Buddha or the now severed hand no longer sacred. So it was just to, to separate them and the hand would have a role and Buddha would have a role. Therefore, if you just find a hand, it doesn't mean that it's no longer sacred for the Goim. And we assume it's Avodazara. Uh, if you find, if you find in any sort of objects, and this could also be clothes, garments, and on them you find some carving or some embroidery or some uh, um, uh, shape of hama of the sun or the moon or a dracon. Dracon used to be a very common representation in Roman times. It was some sort of a dragon or a ferocious dog. It's hard to describe, but if you just Google dragon, Roman times, you will find a lot of representations. It used to be mostly used by the Roman army when they went to war. They used to have sometimes a um, a banner that looked like this dragon, and as the, the cavalry charged against the enemy, holding this uh, banner, which which was really like a, a sort of like a, a imagine a a dragon made of metal, a dragon head made of metal with its mouth open and behind it pieces of cloth hanging from it so as you move the air flows through the mouth of this uh, this piece of metal and the the clothes behind it uh, move like a flag and this uh, obviously gave the impression of the dragon being alive of it being animated and this was a form of avodazara so im hayu if they were made of something very respectable, like silver or gold or some uh, some scarlet, or if they were on kinds of of objects that are themselves respectable, regardless of the material that they have. So, for example, if they are on uh, on uh, rings or on earrings, they are forbidden. 
because the presumption is that they are made for Avodah Zarah, but if they were made on other kinds of instruments or of objects or of garments, like say you find a plate that is not particularly fancy, that has uh, a drawing of a dragon in it, then the presumption is that they are not for Avodah Zarah. And also, any other representation that is not one of these, that is not a dragon or the sun or the moon, is not one of these specific three, then the presumption is that they, because they are not for themselves, they just come to illustrate something else, an object, the presumption is that they are not for Abu Dazara, but rather for aesthetic purposes. Now we are going to talk about the actual prohibition and how severe it is and what measure is there to the prohibition. The Avodazara, its accessories and everything that was offered to it, they, they can make other things, they can render other things prohibited uh, even if the amount of the Avodazara is the minimis. Kesad, how so? Avodazara shenit areva besurot shelenoi, a piece that, of Avodazara that got mixed up, got confused with other statues that are for aesthetic purposes, which we just said are permissible. So say you have one statue of uh, that was just worshipped with uh, ten statues that were not worshipped and were never meant to be worshipped, even if it's one in several thousand of them, this one statue of Avodah Zarah, you, if you cannot identify which one it is, then all thousands of them would be forbidden and everything should be taken to Yam HaMelech. In other words, you may not derive benefit from it. Likewise, <coughs> If a, a goblet of Avodah Zarah got mixed up with other goblets, or a piece of meat that of an animal that was offered to Avodah Zarah got mixed with other pieces of meat of animals that are kasher, or similarly, one of those leathers that we mentioned before that has a hole that tells us that it was used for that rite of taking the heart of the cow from the, the, its, its chest while it's still beating, that leather is Asur Behana'a, and therefore if it got mixed up with thousands of other leathers, they all become prohibited to derive benefit from. If the person transgressed and against the law went and sold Avodah Zarah or one of its accessories or one of the things that had been offered to it, then the money that is received as consideration for this transaction also becomes forbidden. And these coins themselves, this money also can render anything that it's mixed with uh, prohibited, even in at the minimum basis. Because the Pasuk says, uh, don't, don't not destroy careful 
from restra- from refraining from destroying Avodah Zarah because if you don't, you will become Ve'ayit Ahirim Kamo. You will become. Um, uh, you, you 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 will you will marry destruction just like it. So the 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 implication Chachamim learned from this pasuk is that Avodah Zarah, the prohibition of Avodah Zarah, can render other things prohibited just like it. And anything that you bring to your possession as a function of Avodah Zarah, as a result of Avodah Zarah, or, or from a transaction with all of any of its accessories or offerings, becomes like it. Avodah Zarah or Asherah Shnisrefa Efrah Asur Bahana'a Avodah Zarah or an Asherah is a tree that was planted for Avodah Zarah that was burnt the 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 very the very ashes of that burning also are still forbidden However, if you have an Avodah Zarah burning let's say you have a piece of wood from a tree of Asherah and that is burning so the actual, the actual piece of wood, the actual coal that is still burning, that is forbidden because it's part of Avodah Zarah, but the heat that comes from it and the, the, fi- the fire, that, the flame that comes from it is not forbidden. And therefore you're allowed to light something else from the flame of Asherah that is burning. Because the flame itself is not of substance, and Bahamash doesn't have any substance to it. It's too, it's too um, uh, abstract. Sefek asur mutar. This is the rule, and now we are going to explain it. Something that may or may not be avodazara is prohibited, but if that something then becomes mixed up with other things then those are permissible. Ketzad. Let's give an example now. Kos shela avodazara, a goblet that was of avodazara, shenafal beosar malekosot, that got mixed up inside a depot, depot that is filled with other goblets. Kulana surot, the entire depot, if you cannot identify which one of those was avodazara, is prohibited. Given that Avodah Zarah and all of its accessories have the ability to render everything prohibited even on the minimis amount. However, if one of those cups which we just rendered prohibited because we think that maybe there is a one in a million chance that this is the one of Avodah Zarah, if one of those gets mixed up with a second set of cups, that second set of cups is permissible. Now, there is an interesting example here. What happens if from the original mix of, from the original set, uh, two, two items get destroyed? So the example is the following. You have 100, uh, 100 uh, rings, 100 rings, one of which is of Avodah Zarah, and then two of them, you don't know which, two of them uh, get destroyed, they fall to the ocean. 
then the other 98 become permissible. Shani Omer, because the presumption is that that one, that those two rings that got destroyed, that got lost, included one of them, the one that was Avodah So let's go back to the example. You have 100 rings and they get split. One of them is Avodah 99 or not, and they get split up into two groups. 40 to one side and 60 to the other. And those 40, all of them get mixed up with another set of rings. All of them become permissible. Because the presumption is the, the prohibited ring is now with the majority. In other words, with a, when, when originally the 100 got split 40 and 60, the presumption is, <coughs> statistically speaking, that the forbidden tabaat would be with the 60. If those 60, however, fall into other rings, then they would prohibit everything because the presumption was that those 60 included one that was prohibited. <coughs> the tree that of the Ashera, a tree that was planted either for worshipping the tree itself, a holy tree, or as an accessory to another object of worship next to it, it's prohibited to derive benefit from it. Now, what does it mean to derive benefit from a tree? So it's even from its shade. It's forbidden to derive benefit from its shade, to sit on it at its shade. However, it's permissible to sit at the shade of its branches. The branches are part of the tree for some things, but not part of the tree for other things. So for purposes of the shade that they provide and deriving benefit from that shade, they are not part of the tree. Furthermore, if it's possible to avoid passing under it, the person must avoid passing under it, and he should choose a way that does not pass under one of these trees of Avodah And if this is the only path, the only way, then uh, you can pass under it, but as you're passing under it, you should hurry up, you should rush, uh, so it's clear that you are not trying to stay under that tree. Yudbet, Efrohin shekin nenu bahaveinan sedichin leiman mutarin. Veabesim veefrohim shetzedichin leiman asurin. What happens with other creatures, say birds, that make of the tree their home? So you have to understand that it's it's uh, understood, it's perceived that the nest of this eggs or, or of these uh, pigeons is uh, is the basis for them and therefore the pigeons and the eggs are an extension of the tree in a way so the distinction is going to be on the efrohim on the on the pigeons themselves if they are mature enough not to need their mother if they are not mature enough that they still need their mother then these pigeons are as if it were an extension of this tree of Asheran, therefore they are forbidden. If they are independent and they can fend for themselves, 
then they are separate from the tree and one may take them and, and, uh, and derive benefit from them. Shehare, because because the, the, the tree is the basis, basis for them, as we said. But the, the ken itself, the, the, um, the nest itself is permissible because birds normally, they don't build nests from branches of the same tree. They actually build nests from branches of a different tree. So we know for a fact that the nest was built with branches from a tree. That's not the asherah that's forbidden. Obviously, the asherah, the, the wood itself is forbidden. So anyone who takes branches or wood from the asherah, those woods are forbidden. And not only that, if you use them in order to start a fire somewhere, that fire cannot be used. You have to wait for the heat of those trees that was caused by the fire from the trees of the Asherah to dissipate, and only then you can restart the fire with different trees. And if one went ahead and baked something, baked a bread in a, in a, in a let's say, in an, in an oven, in a brick oven that was heated by, uh, by fire that was lit on wood from Asherah, without first letting the, the heat dissipate, then the bread itself becomes forbidden. If this bread now got mixed with other breads, then it's not like the ring that everything is forbidden, but rather we sort of take the value of that bread and uh, assign some coins the value of that bread and take those coins and destroy those coins so that the bread now does not render all the other breads around it also forbidden <coughs> this uh, to understand this you have to understand how they used to to uh, to 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 do textile back in the day there used to be a huge piece of wood that would serve as a base uh, from which or around which you'd put the strings and then you'd, you'd, uh, you, you, you'd make the textile, you'd weave. So if someone used that piece of wood to create a fabric, the fabric itself becomes forbidden. And like the bread, if this garment gets mixed up with other garments, you take the value of this garment and destroy it, but the garment itself then does not make the other garments forbidden. This this is a very famous rule of ze veze gorem in the Gemara. It's permissible to plant things under a tree of Asherah, even in the summer when the Asherah is protecting it from, from, uh, from, the, from the sun, or in the winter when the Asherah protects it from too violent a rain. And uh, because the Asherah is not the only factor affecting the growth of this, uh, of whatever you, you planted, 
And when you have when you have two factors causing a result, uh, if one of them is forbidden and one of them is permissible, we don't say that the result derives from the forbidden because we cannot possibly assign its growth to the forbidden alone, given that there is a second factor as well. Therefore, a sorry, a a tree, a a a, a, a field that was uh, fertilized with avodazara with zevel of avodazara. So, say a, a cow in India that is worshipped, use its uh, its feces for fertilizing a field. The field itself is permissible to plant in it. Of course, it's forbidden to do it. It's forbidden to derive benefit from that fertilizer. But if it's done, the field does not become prohibited. And a, a cow that was fed, food that was avodazara, can still be eaten. And so on and so forth. These are just examples. בשר או יין או פירות שחינום להקריבם לעבודה זרה לא נאסרו בהנאה. Meat or wine or fruits that were prepared, they were designated for offering to עבודה זרה but were not yet, they are not forbidden. אף על פי שהכניסו אותן לבית עבודה זרה, even if they already are in the house of worship of עבודה זרה, עד שיקריבו מפניה, until they actually are offered, they are not prohibited. Now, once they are offered, then they, they, they are prohibited. And even if after they are offered, let's say the priests come and, and, and grab it back and take it for another use, they already became prohibited. And everything that belongs to, is part of the Bet Avodazara, the house of worship, even if it's water or salt, which normally are taken to not be food in other contexts of Halakha, uh, it's, it's prohibited to derive benefit from them, and uh, deriving benefit from it makes one liable for Malkut. So for example, if you go to a church, which is Avodazara, not that you can go to a church, but any salt inside a church or any water inside the church would also be forbidden. If you find a garment or some other object or money that is lying on top of Avodazara, if it's found there in a way that is not very is not very respectful of the Avodazara. The Avodazara is just serving as a platform. That's not something that someone would do to offer them to the Avodazara. Therefore, you assume that it, it, they, they were not offered to it and it's permissible. But if you find them in a way that shows some sort of, of, um, of uh, respect, of honor, in an honorable way, it's prohibited. Ketzad, how so? Matzakis ma'ot talui besavaro, kesud mekupelet umunachat al-rosho, kelikafui al-rosho, harezemutar, mipenesho derech bizayon. If you find something hanging from its neck, or a wallet with, with money hanging from its neck, or a, a cloth that is uh, hanging, 
or, or folded on top of its head or, or something covering its head, a garment covering its head, this is not a way that you would offer it to Davodazara, and therefore the presumption is that someone just light, uh, put them there, rested them there, not for worship, because it's dishonorable to do this. And so on and so forth. But if you find something that is <clears throat> customary to bring as an offering on, on the Mizbeah, then this is forbidden, uh, meaning things that are edible. So a, a piece of meat or, or some animal that will be a surf. However, this is all when we are talking about a statue of Avodazara that is not in, in the element of its worship. But if it's in the setting of worship, if it's inside the temple, if it's in the place where people worship it, then however you find it, even if you find a wallet hanging from the neck of that tattoo, the presumption is that it's for an offering and it's forbidden. Of Oru Merkulis and Peoru Merkulis, which are worshipped in a very degrading way, as we mentioned, then the, the fact that something is resting on top of them in a way that is degrading is irrelevant because these statues are worshipped in a very degrading way and therefore the presumption is that all of those things were made in a worship kind of way, service way, and it's forbidden. And also any stone that seems as though it's near Markulis is forbidden. We assume that it was casted at it as service. Yudzain. Uh, a, uh, an idol, Avodazara, that had appended to it or dedicated next to it a bathhouse or a garden, one may derive benefit from the garden or from the bathhouse. Shelo <coughs> betova means without paying without any any payment but not paying not not with with payment because you may not pay uh the 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 priests to to encourage and to and to further the worship of avodazara but if it belonged to both the avodazara and to others so let's say there is a bathhouse that is owned 50% by a church and 50% by something else, then even betova, even in a beneficial way, you're the, allowed to derive benefit from it. However, you still may not pay for it. So beneficial way means that, for example, you go inside by asking the priests to, to, to permit you as a licensee, as a guest of them, or by thanking them effusively after they let you in. So that's that's permissible, but still you're not permitted to actually pay them. Now, we said something next to what happens if you have a statue inside the bathhouse. So a statue inside the bathhouse is uh, presumed to be for aesthetic purposes and not for worship. Nobody worships inside a bathhouse. 
and therefore it's permissible. The pasuk that prohibits deriving benefits from Avodah Zarah says they're gods, in other words, something that is treated as a god. And not when it's being treated in a very disrespectful way, like statues in a bathhouse where everyone is urinating next to it. But if this was a statue that was worshipped inside the bathhouse, and we know that, then it's prohibited to derive benefits from the bathhouse itself. Last halacha. <coughs> a knife of Avodah Zarah that was used for Shechita, it's permitted to derive benefit from the meat because the function, the purpose of the Avodah Zarah was to destroy, to kill. But if the animal was an animal that was about to die and you have to rush to kill it before it before it uh, before it dies then the knife is not destroying a life the knife is actually uh, it's beneficial because it, it's uh, permitting us to to have a death that is more beneficial than the natural death and therefore it's forbidden and this corrective measure of having killed the animal in the right way would have been done by an instrumentality, this knife, which belonged to Avodah Zarah. Or likewise, not to kill an animal, but what about to just cut meat that is already of a dead animal? That's also forbidden because it's also a beneficial, a constructive kind of use for this knife. But if the kind of cutting is a destructive kind of cutting, like you're cutting it, to, because it's rotten and you want to make it little pieces so it fits into uh, somewhere, then this is permissible to derive benefit from. And with this, we finished chapter 7, which is likely the longest chapter of Ilkhot Avodah Zarah.